now. Back to Sports 56 Mornings. Isn't it a lovely morning? On Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour brought to you by James Gaddis Jewelers. Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. It is indeed a lovely morning. 58 degrees, sunshine. We're looking at a high of 80 today. Few clouds tonight, low of 60. Tomorrow, partly cloudy and a high of 82. Welcome back to the show, hour two on this Monday, November 6th, 2023. Greg Gaston, Eli Savoy, and Zach Boyd with you from the Family Leisure Studios. Family Leisure, where family and fun come together. 2120 Witten Road, just north of I-40. Second hour of the program is brought to you by our friends at James Gaddis Jewelers. They just had Designer Week, Big Week. I'm sure a lot of folks went over there, took advantage of what they had to offer. But look, they always have great deals, especially as we get closer to the holidays. They are your bridal engagement and anniversary jeweler headquarters. Been serving Memphians and Mid-Southerners for about a quarter century in that same East Memphis location. Before that, they were on Summer Avenue. They've been a part of the fabric of this community for quite a long time. Long time. 4,900 Poplar between Mendenhall and St. Nick and on the web at GaddisJewelers.com. And each Monday and Friday, they bring you the Memphis sports fact. Did you know the University of Memphis men's basketball team have a 17-1 all-time mark versus tonight's opponent, Jackson State? Memphis has won 13 straight in the series. The Tigers have averaged 83 points per game in those 18 get-togethers. And according to John Rothstein, tonight's Projected starting five for Memphis. Javon Quinterly, Caleb Mills, Jaquan Walton, David Jones, and Jordan Brown currently have an average age of 23 years. So they're 23 years old on average. If DeAndre Williams had been granted that waiver at 27, that average, who knows, could have shot up to about 24. In other words, this is a veteran team. A veteran team that know what they're doing. The only question is, can they stay healthy? And can that chemistry stay together? Can they stay bonded as one? And I think it could be a very special year. All right, it is becoming a very special year again for Ole Miss football under Lane Kiffin. It was a tough one. They battled and they prevailed on Saturday at Vault Hemingway, 38-35 over Texas A&M. And now it sets up this huge game between the hedges in Athens, Ole Miss, Georgia this weekend. Yeah, um, you know, it's, and they were, you know, the, the blocked field goal at the very end to to save them from going to overtime. Um, Quinchon Judkins was able to, to run the ball. They were having at least a, a little success running the football against that Texas A&M run defense, which is not easy. They only gave up one sack to Texas A&M, which is huge because that's where Texas A&M's defense thrives is to sacks and tackles for loss. Um, they were able to avoid that for the most part um, and to put up you know the the points that they did against that defense. That is not easy to do. Um, and the, the drive at the end to go down and get the get the go-ahead touchdown, get the win, huge win for them, setting up a huge game this week. Now, with the Alabama win, they still um, haven't gotten the help they would need to try and get the SEC championship game, even with a win over Georgia. But as we talk about, if they were able to somehow beat Georgia, win out, even if they don't go to the conference championship game at 11-1 and with a win at Georgia, that would be a pretty darn good resume for Ole Miss, uh, depending on what happens elsewhere. Yeah, and like you said, to be able to put up 38 against that Texas A&M defense says an awful lot about 
Judkins running the ball, but that Ole Miss offensive line and Jackson Dart. When we talk about quarterbacks, even just around the SEC, he's not the first, second, or third name we throw out there, and maybe we should recalculate when it comes to Jackson Dart. He is terrific. He's had a great year, and and Trey Harris, the transfer, has been incredible and was absolutely incredible on Saturday with the 11 catches for 213 yards uh, just a, he's he's been great this is again this is what you do with the portal and the day of the portal um ability to go find guys like that at the lower level and bring them in and he has been everything they could have possibly imagined he would be and it was just absolutely awesome uh on Saturday Ole Miss like Alabama wide receiver you when you think about the receivers that have gone through Ole Miss here recently and now playing in the NFL. Of course, Alabama probably leads the way, but Ole Miss not far behind. That's another one in that long line of great receivers that have played for Ole Miss. Uh, Speaking of Georgia, again, they just keep winning. What is it, 26 straight? Uh, it's a lot. Is that the number? I'm losing count. It's so high. They were able to beat Missouri. It was a, Look, it was a close game, as everybody expected. Mizzou gave it a good run, but they lose on the road at Georgia 30-21. to Yeah, you know, Missouri had some opportunities, um, weren't able to cash in, and then they, you know, the couple of interceptions, including the one late by Cook, who was not real good, and, and that, a lot of that's the Georgia defense. you got to give them credit, but uh, they hold him to 14 of 30. Um, you know, the one thing Cody Schrader for Mizzou did run for over 100 yards against that defense. Now with Quinshawn Judkins and that Ole Miss rushing offense coming in, what kind of success can they have against that Georgia defense? Um, but yeah, you know, again, Georgia, they they don't look dominant like they have in the last couple of years, but they keep winning games. And, you know, that's, that, that's again, in the end, that's all that matters as long as you win the games because if they yep. go undefeated, they're going to be in a good position. They're going to be in the playoffs. So, um, you know, I, do I think Ole Miss could go down there and beat them? Certainly they can. I don't – this is – again, this is not a completely dominant Georgia team. Um, I think Ole Miss will have a chance, but it's going to be very difficult to go down there and win. Yeah, but Georgia steps up. Every time they need to step up, they're doing it without, without Brock Bowers. Their quarterback has been really good. I, I didn't know what to expect from him coming into this year as he's taken over the reins, and he has been very, very consistent. Georgia, by the way, have been installed as an 11.5-point favorite over Ole Miss. So, obviously, the boys in the desert don't believe that Ole Miss can go down to Georgia and win, but I, I think there's certainly a chance. It's just right now we kind of we take Georgia for granted a little bit. We're talking about, well, Michigan, Ohio State, that Big Ten winner, or – Florida State and you know maybe Washington or Oregon and they're both really really good out there but Georgia just keeps on keeping on. Now Missouri we mentioned they lost at Georgia. They will play Tennessee. Interesting game in Columbia this weekend. Both teams at seven and two. Tennessee a road favorite by only a point. Yeah, I mean Missouri's good. You know this even though they even without really playing well they still hung around against Georgia. Um, this is a good Missouri team, and certainly I think um, you know their remaining schedule. They have where, let's see, they have who does Missouri have after? Because they've got oh, they still have Arkansas, which Arkansas has to beat them, I think, to make a bowl game, and then Florida, I think, is still there. They could, they could, Missouri could ruin bowl hopes for both Arkansas and Florida the rest of the way. That's right. Yep, Florida and at Arkansas, that would be on the Friday of Thanksgiving week. So, 
Yeah, I mean, look, this Tennessee-Missouri game, I'm really curious to watch that one. That is going to be a lot of fun to see that one. Uh, again, both teams coming in 7-2 and two, uh, overall. Tennessee Tennessee had a bye week. They beat Connecticut 59-3. to Yeah, I, that was like a track beat for Tennessee. Like, <laughs> they just... It started on the first drive with the whatever the eighty yard touchdown run. I know how I can't remember how far it was, but like they just they did whatever they wanted to do. And that was that was you know Nico gets in, throws a touchdown. Like they just they could have done whatever they like. They could have scored a hundred if they wanted. <laughs> they were, exactly. UConn was not stopping them at any point. Yeah, I wasn't paying much attention. I didn't see any of that game. I just would look in and see see the score, and I would see like sixty five yard touchdown, sixty yard touchdown. Like everything was long. So. Uh, Tennessee the, did what they had to do. The one touchdown pass um, was as open as I think I've ever seen a receiver. Like, <laughs> when they, when he threw it, I was like, did they blow the play dead? What? Why is there? <laughs> there was nobody on the screen. There's not a defender on the television screen. It was like, there was 30 yards. Like, they, I don't know how you just completely lose a guy. Like, he started walking at the 10 yard line and still, like, nobody ever got in the screen with him. Like, it was, <laughs> I was like, this is crazy to be that open. Wow, that's a uh, complete breakdown there. Uh, Alabama and LSU, the game that everybody had anticipated 42 28, Alabama. Jalen Milrow seems like he's a completely different player than he was at the beginning of the year. At the beginning of the year, I was wondering, why they, why they even recruit this guy? I know he's big and he's strong and he's got a big arm, but, man, he's not that. Now I look at him and go, oh, my gosh. They're even talking about maybe he gets into the Heisman conversation. Milrow looked fantastic. And, of course, Daniels is great for LSU, and they knocked him out of that game. I'm going to ask you about that in a second, that hit on Daniels. But Milrow is a different player. No, he. I mean, he basically played Jaden Daniels to a to stance, or maybe even slightly outplayed him. Their numbers are almost identical, but if they if they can get that from Milrow, um, you know, for LSU to win that game, they were going to need Daniels to be to certainly be better than Milrow. But yeah, ever since that USF game where they benched him and all that stuff, they um, you know he certainly has come out. He's doing a great job running the football along with throwing it. Um, he's been he's been really good, and you know LSU the defense has had its issues, and once again couldn't get those stops late in the game when they needed to, giving up those final twenty one points. But yeah, you got, you got to give Milrow a lot of credit. You know you don't you know they they talked a lot about it on game day about that, and they did the big story about that whole benching and all that stuff, and he certainly has responded to that very very well, and, and it. Doesn't always have to go that way. A guy could go the other direction, but he responded to that very well, and he's been really good since then. Elsewhere in the SEC, Auburn over Vanderbilt, thirty-one to fifteen. So Auburn, although I think will get better and better under Hugh Freeze, I am a Hugh Freeze fan. I know there's a lot out there that uh, don't believe in the guy for whatever the reason is. I, I do as a football coach. And they get the win. And then the game you were at, Kentucky over Mississippi State, 24-3. Kentucky's going to host Alabama this week. It'll be a huge crowd at Commonwealth Stadium in Lexington. You don't give them much of a chance, though, do you? No, I don't. I, I mean, that's – while they beat Mississippi State, that's not a real good Kentucky team. I don't, I don't see Davis being able to run the ball against Alabama very well and – if you take him away, I don't think Devin Leary and the weapons he's got are is good enough to beat 
Alabama. That, that I, I, I would I would find hard to believe. Um, I'd, you know, it may not be as ugly as what the Georgia game was against Kentucky, but I don't I, I can't I don't see them being ready to beat Alabama right now. And South Carolina got a win, went out of the conference, beat a, a good solid Jacksonville State team, thirty eight twenty eight in a slugfest. Let me get back to LSU Bama. The Jaden Daniels hit was not called targeting. People were up in arms. What did, what did you think of that whole hit that took him out of the game? Um, I from my thought is that the way they clarify or define targeting that should be targeting. But I there's I don't know like targeting gets confusing at times. But I don't know. I to me there was certainly contact to the head or neck area. Um, by their rules, to me that 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 seems like targeting. I don't, but I I have no idea at times with some of these targeting calls. Yeah, it looked like it was was helmet to helmet, at least the bottom of his helmet near his the chin area, and then of course he he lands on top of them. But I don't know what else he could do. I don't know where else he's going to land. He's going to land on top of them. Uh, we had a couple of hits in the Memphis game that were certainly questionable. I don't know half the time what's targeting anymore. Um, I know that there is certainly the emphasis and continues to be the emphasis to protect the quarterback, but to a certain extent, they have to let him play football. It is tackle football. It is a violent sport. If a quarterback is running down the sideline and he stays in bounds and he's trying to get extra yards and you hit the guy, are you supposed to just lollygag and hit him just real easy or are you supposed to hit him like you do in football if he's in bounds? I would say you hit the guy. And so there was a penalty called against Memphis on a hit that was not late because he wasn't out of bounds. So in my mind, they called it because it was excessive, because he drilled the guy. But it was a clean hit. It was just right on the sideline before he had touched the white. This one, again, if you're going by the letter of the law, looks like it's a targeting call, and it's not called. So there's so much... Ambiguity, and, and inconsistencies the, with with the with the rule. That play, like to me in my mind, I wouldn't. I don't think it should be targeting. Like the, the, me, Dan, the Daniels yes. ones, but by the rules and by the way they call targeting, right? Generally, that seems like it's called like that. I I would. I'm surprised that they wouldn't call that targeting based on the way they call targeting and the way the rules are on targeting. I mean, he's clearly a defenseless player in that position. And so any excessive contact to the head or neck, I thought is targeting. Um, and to me, there is contact to the head or neck area. There, there's contact to the face mask. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's again, it's hard for these officials to try and make that call. To me, I would have at least liked um, them to take the look at it. And I mean, I guess technically the replay official does look at it and, they, they, they and determine yeah. that he didn't, you know, there, there was no reason need to go into the full review, but I don't know. I, again, targeting is a, is tough, tough to define at times. I think, um, and there, there are plays that look like targeting that aren't called. There are plays that don't look like targeting at all, um, that are called targeting. And a lot of it, 
ends up just being the kind of the viciousness of the way the play looks. Yes, absolutely. A guy will hit with his shoulder, but because it looks vicious, then they go into it and they'll end up calling targeting, which, you know, I don't, he didn't use his head. He didn't hit him. Like, but then, then a play like this where there does seem to be contact with the head and neck area and it's not called. So I, I don't know. And, um, I agree with you 100%, by the way, on that. Texter call, uh, texted. He says, as an LSU fan, I will not blame the loss Saturday on the refs. Clearly, that is not the truth. <laughs> but the hit was made against Jaden Daniels that was clearly targeting and roughing the passer that was completely ignored by the refs. And on the same play, hands to the face and face masked by an Alabama player to an LSU player was such an egregious, uh, egregious matter. It would have given LSU first and 10 and a 15-yard penalty. The player that hit Jaden Daniels should have been ruled targeting by the clearest facts of the rule and should have been ejected. And that's, yeah, and that's... Uh, that was Dallas Turner, who's really, really good. So if he gets ejected, certainly beyond the idea of just the penalty, the ejection of him would have been massive. But it was completely ignored and not even reviewed. I can completely understand that point of view. I know it's an LSU fan, but it has a great argument. I, there's no question it has a great argument. But that's, again, that that fine line, what's targeting, what's not targeting. I could easily have seen a call to targeting. And once they had looked at the replay, you know, I thought they were going to by the letter of the law, by the letter of the rule, and they didn't. So, again, you know, your guess is as good as mine what the hell targeting is anymore. Uh, another texter says, if Alabama wins Saturday against Kentucky, they're the 2023 SEC West champions. Mm-hmm. By the way, the great Brian Kelly is now 1-3 against Nick Saban. LSU, how's that 6-3 and three record looking? <laughs> uh, in the American Conference, by the way, before we take a break, and then Barrett Salee will join us, some interesting games. Now, Memphis didn't get any help because all the teams you expect to win won. Uh, I'm talking about the teams at the top, UTSA and SMU and Tulane. But Tulane, 13-10 to over East Carolina? I was shocked at that score. East Carolina is bad. Tulane barely gets by them. Maybe they were, I don't know, overlooking them. They got UTSA towards the end of the season. UTSA, by the way, a winner in their game. Um, they beat... North Texas, same team that Memphis battled last week and had to come back in that last minute to win. They played in Denton and won 37-29. SMU went back and forth with Rice, much improved Rice team, but they ended up prevailing 36-31. So kind of status quo in the conference. Charlotte, Memphis's next opponent, did get a win at Tulsa in overtime, 33-26. Congrats to Biff Pogey! And then Temple beat Navy 32-18, and that's another opponent uh, down the line for Memphis. The final week of the regular season, Thanksgiving week, they'll play the Owls in Philadelphia. Yeah, I, I was surprised by that one because Temple is awful. They always, awful. And they always give the Tigers fits in, in Philly. That's I'm not too concerned about that one, but it all depends on what happens with SMU. Folks, Thanksgiving is coming quickly, and if you are going to be smoking that turkey, you're deep frying it, you're just putting it in the oven, however you're cooking that turkey, one place you can go to get all of the supplies that you need is Memphis Barbecue Supply. They've got everything you need. They've got over 20 different turkey injections and brines to keep that meat juicy and moist. Brine bag and brackets. They've got 308 different rubs and sauces that you could choose from. When I, the 
the first year I got my big green egg and I was going to be doing a smoking a turkey on it for the first time, I went into Memphis Barbecue Supply, talked to Jimmy in there, started asking questions because I had never done it, didn't know what I needed, all of that stuff. Got a great staff. He or any of his staff will answer questions that you have if it's the first time you're trying to smoke one or deep fry one. But again, whatever, however you're cooking that turkey, they've got these supplies for you. They've got over four tons of wood pellets in stock, nine different types of wood chips, chunks, mini logs, and logs, all the thermometers, injectors, all the gadgets, everything you need. And again, a knowledgeable staff to answer any questions that you might have at Memphis Barbecue Supply. They're at 7041 Stage Road. You can also find them online, mbbqsupply.com. And I urge you, go in there, get your stuff early. Don't wait till the last minute to try and get it. Make sure you get in there early, get all your supplies that you need to make that turkey perfect this year for Thanksgiving at Memphis Barbecue Supply. We continue talking college football. We'll do so with Barrett Salee when we return. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Add a little fun to your lunch break. Join Johnny Radio for Sports 56 Happy Hour from 11 to 1 every weekday on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by James Gaddis Jewelers. Genuine diamonds, baby. Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Welcome back, everybody. Hope you had a fantastic weekend. It is a Monday morning. We've been talking a lot of different things, including the Grizzlies, Memphis Tigers, Men's basketball, they open up the campaign tonight. Plenty of college football as well. And since it's Monday, it's time to talk to Barrett Salih. It's time to talk some college football. Joining Greg and Eli is Barrett Salih from CBSSports.com, CBS Sports HQ, and Sirius XM Radio. Here's Barrett Salih with Greg and Eli. Make sure to follow Barrett on Twitter at Barrett Slee. He joins us every Monday during the college football season. Good morning, Barrett. How are you? I'm doing great. How are y'all? Do, doing fantastic. Barrett, will you miss Connor Stallions? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Content is king, right? Like, I, I want this thing to go on forever. Like, I don't want Jim Harbaugh suspended until, like, like January or February. Like, I want Jim Harbaugh, if they make the national championship game, suspended, like, that Saturday before the Monday game. <laughs> I want Connor Stallions to be around. for. Did you see what you uh, what New Mexico did when they were getting smoked by UNLV? No. They, on their on their video board, it, they, you know, they do welcome whatever sponsors or whatever, and it said, welcome Connor Stallions, and then in parentheses, <laughs> probably. <laughs> He's going to end up like on Jimmy That's Kimmel or one of those shows. <laughs> I mean, gosh, bless it. That is absolutely crazy. By the way, though, in, in all seriousness, what happens? Does does anything happen to Michigan? Yeah, the Big Ten's going to suspend him. I, I just don't see how they 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 can't. With all, he's got to be suspended. The all the coaches are up in arms. Um, it's it, they can't wait for an NCAA investigation because that'll take years. And I think there's a general feeling that Jim Harbaugh is going to walk away after the season anyway. So Mm -hmm. you can't let Michigan get away with it. I mean, you just can't. And I think the Big Ten understands that if if it's going to have 
some some pull and some respect from its current members and its future members, it can't let this thing go on much longer. It just can't. And and so yeah, I think he's going to have to be suspended. It you know he can say he didn't know about it, and we all know that's a lie because Connor Stallions is right next to him all the time, telling him what to do. So I don't know how long it would be. I do think it would have to be significant, though. The um, yeah, if for him, that's the whole thing. Like for him not to know, like he must really think Connor Stallions is just an absolute genius that can pick up hand signals in a real hurry when he just watches him like a couple times during the game. Yeah, and doesn't know that he's standing five feet from <laughs> yeah, from it's like, him. It's like, like it's just this random voice of some dude that he doesn't know. <laughs> It just, I, it, that's, you know, I, sometimes I, I, I maintain to me, they should be banned from the postseason. I just, I don't, I hell with punishing Harbaugh, punish the program. This guy worked for the program and they were cheating. They were blatantly cheating. Punish the program. And, and sometimes that sacrificial lamb works, but it shouldn't work in this case just because they fired that guy. So we'll, 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 see well and here's the thing too. Here's the thing. <clears throat> you know, a lot of times you're like, oh, vacated wins or no, well, you know, Someone goes on suspension or, uh, you know, probation and the mm-hmm. players that were in, that are on probation, they had nothing to do with it. And it sucks because those players, mm-hmm. you know, they, they get punished for something they had nothing to do with. Well, I mean, the players know, right? Like yeah. they might not know the intricacies of how this thing goes about, but they know this random dude is, is, is way smarter than anybody else. And it doesn't take a rocket scientist to connect some dots. So, um, yeah, I think banned from the postseason. I don't think that the Big Ten can do that just because the postseason is not controlled by the Big Ten or the NCAA. So Mm -hmm. banned from the Big Ten championship game, the possibility of a Big Ten championship game, I think that's the the ultimate peak of what the Big Ten can do. Uh, I do think he'll be suspended. Um, if, If that's the case, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, but they saying, can't suspend him from the playoffs. I'm saying the NCAA should do should should. But they're not going to. I, I agree. But they're not going to finish their their uh, investigation, which, which is just terrible. Like, there's not much of an investigation here, dude. Why would why did you buy all these tickets to all these games? Why were there people in those seats? I just love football. Up? And then if he like, there's no rational answer to that other nah. than what he was doing. And so you're like, okay, this was clear. We're, we're this is rather obvious what was going on here. You guys were, were cheating as far as that is concerned. And dude, putting putting the payments on Venmo. Yeah, I mean, bro, like that's the thing. Like he was so bad at this, he didn't even try like, to hide it. So therefore, on. it's easy to investigate and be done with it and punish him it's i, I mean it's, it's it's like it's like me saying i'm gonna rob a liquor store and then sending somebody money to do it and yep. saying robbing liquor store on the, the note on the it's almost like an like, S- it's almost like an snl skit i mean i can't believe this is actual reality but okay we move on. We move speaking on. of breaking the rules do you believe it should have been targeting on the hit on Jaden daniels no i don't think it should be targeting um because it was. I know the screenshots that LSU fans are sitting around looked like it's forcible contact to the head, neck, and air, uh, shoulder area. It was really to the sternum, to me. The forcible contact was to the sternum. Um, yes, his head was up, but that's what you're taught to do, right? Like that's that's the whole point of these targeting rules. So, no, I don't think it should be targeting. And I know LSU fans are just blatantly upset. Oh, they are. With the hit. Mm-hmm. It wasn't dirty. I don't. It wasn't dirty. But it was a penalty because it was roughing the passer. He came down hard on it. Uh, you can't do that. Um, so he was penalized. 
And I, I just don't see how it can be anything more than that. Uh, like I said, targeting, if you look at the screenshots, yeah, it looks like it's targeting. You can say everything's a penalty looking at screenshots, right? Um, but to me, it was a, a textbook tackle, but he pile drives him into the ground, and he got penalized for that. And right. that's the end of the discussion. Fair enough. Uh, the, the Grinch may be able to steal Christmas because he's looking for a job now after being fired out in uh, Los Angeles. Uh, Lincoln Riley making that move after the 52-42 loss. He gets rid of his defensive coordinator. I'm just stunned how bad the defense has been all year long for a USC team that could certainly put some points on the board. Yeah, Grinch stole USC's chance of winning the national championship, <laughs> too. I mean, God. Um it was uh, it's long overdue. I don't know why Lincoln Riley was so married to Alex Grinch for so long. It, it just doesn't make sense to me. This move, long overdue. It's not going to help because if you don't practice tackling in the spring, you can't really do it during game week. Mm-hmm. Um, they only have two games left because they don't play on rivalry weekend. So you know, and and the games are Utah and Oregon. Um, so it's uh, I'm sorry, uh, UCLA and Utah. So. It's uh, it's bad. It you know came back to haunt him. They were always a paper tiger. Uh, Tom and I talked about this on SiriusXM for you know weeks and weeks and months and months before the season. Um, so you know Lincoln is loyal to a fault. He's lo- not just loyal to his assistants. He's loyal to his philosophies, and his philosophy is that you just have to be slightly below mediocre defensively, and he'll take care of the rest. And that's clearly not the case. With Georgia getting the win over Missouri, um, again, not a like a dominant thing, but they, they win the games, which is what all you have required to do. How much of a chance do you give Ole Miss in Athens this week? I give them more of a chance than, than Missouri, uh, just because I think Ole Miss is able to dictate style and tempo much more than Missouri. Now, don't get me wrong, Luther Burden, Cody Schrader, Brady Cook, those guys are awesome. Uh, I do think when Luther Burden got banged up, it sort of changed their plan, even though he did keep playing. I think he was, you know, he was not 100%, and that sort of um, spooked that staff at Missouri. Uh, I I think there are so many weapons for Ole Miss that they are more likely to dictate tempo. I'm not saying they will, but they've got much of a greater chance to. And if that's the case, do you trust Carson Beck? I mean, personally, I do. But if he makes a mistake or two, and all it takes is one or two, then then things could get uh, pretty sketchy. So, yeah, I give Ole Miss more of a chance. I, I don't think that um, that this is a pushover Ole Miss team. I think they're in the national championship hunt for a reason. And you know Lane Kiffin's going to have some tricks up his sleeve. We are at the part of the season where <clears throat> style points certainly factor into the college football playoff committee and how they uh, rank these teams. So this past weekend, you had early on the close shave for Ohio State. They ended up pulling away from Rutgers in the end. Texas had to go overtime to beat Kansas State. Florida State, great defensively. Maybe not the the kind of game you would expect, a blowout game against Pitt, but it was 24-7. I don't know what they're considering when they do those things, but I certainly know that style and how much you win by and how much you control a game by is all important and it's all factors. Do you expect any movement as far as the top is concerned with the playoff committee's uh, rankings tomorrow night? Yeah, I expect Georgia to jump up to number one because that's, they're going to view that as a big win. You know, a win over a, a Missouri team that they respect. And, you know, Ohio State 
did look good against Rutgers, and they're still going to um, they're, they're going to respect Ohio State, and they're going to give them credit for the two wins that are you know considered great wins. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think when you look at, at what Georgia's resume is now, it's considerably better than um, than it was a week ago, and I think enough to jump them over. Um, excuse me, over Ohio State, um, and and I think that. That's that's fine, you know. I think Georgia and Michigan are the two best teams in the country. Uh, I thought that last week, but I also thought Ohio State should be number one because of the resume. I agree. Like they they deserve that. So um, yeah, I think it'll change a little bit. Uh, I'm interested to see if Washington, if a one loss team jumps Washington, because now, I mean, it's it's a month straight of just awful defense. And I know they're undefeated. They've got a great win over Oregon. It wouldn't surprise me if they jump Oregon over Washington because Oregon's a more complete team. So I know that's kind of crazy, uh, but it's you know, Oregon is, I think, from an eye test, considerably mm-hmm. better than Washington. Yeah, look, I I agree with that. Oregon, from the eye test right now, they are crushing teams, and they're playing some defense, but they did lose to Washington. So, yeah, yeah. I will be curious to see if that happens. But if that happens, shouldn't Bama jump Texas? No, because they factor in injuries, right? Mm-hmm. And they, and Quinn Ewers isn't there. And Texas hasn't looked great the last couple of weeks. That's, I get it. But Malik Murphy is their quarterback. And I get what you're saying. And, and you know, just if you, if you look at it, the uh, recency bias is there, then yeah. But they do factor in injuries. And I think that would be enough to keep Texas above um, Alabama, and uh, you know, the, I know LSU is is better than Kansas State in the eyes of the committee, but Kansas State still has respect in the committee. So I, I don't think that they're going to punish uh, Texas for that. What do you, do you think? Michigan has any trouble with Penn State? Uh, man, before I mean, it's a tough place to play, right? Mm-hmm. And before the whole spy, you know, the, the Connor Stallion thing, I'm calling it the Wild Stallion thing because that's a, a <laughs> band from Te- Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, and we all should watch Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. But um, it, to me, the noise, it just keeps getting greater and greater and greater. And plus, they can't spy. Well, I guess they still can because they probably did see Penn State games over the season. But, you know, and on top of that, Drew Aller actually played well, and they let him loose um, last weekend through four touchdown passes. So, I think it will be closer now than than maybe I thought 72 hours ago. I still think Michigan gets the job done, but man, uh, you give Penn State seven points at home in front of that crowd. That's that's tough. That's tough for Michigan. So I guess I think they get the job done, but. We hadn't picked anything yet, and I'm leaning toward picking Penn State to cover. Yeah, it certainly it certainly looks more difficult because you would assume that Penn State will like change their hand signals, and Michigan won't know what plays are coming. So that helps. Yes, that, yes, exactly. <laughs> Michigan had no problem with Purdue, but that's Purdue. This is Penn State and State College. So it's a little bit different. All right, final thing for you: we had the. Uh, final bedlam as far as Big 12 members together, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Who knows what will happen for the future? I, I would imagine that they, they play non-conference, but who knows? Oklahoma State gets the win. Most people anticipating an Oklahoma-Texas rematch in the Big 12 championship. So what does that do now, and what do you think is going to end up happening with the Big 12, especially with a Texas team that is uh, struggling a little bit without their starting quarterback? Well, first things first. Oklahoma State's making the championship game. 
100% Oklahoma State's winning out uh, because you look at who they've got. They've got three of the four newcomers during the final three weeks of the season, and all four of those teams have been awful this mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. So Oklahoma State's winning out. They have one loss, granted it's Iowa State, but that won't really factor in all that much because they've beaten it. They'll, they will have beaten everybody else on their schedule. So I, I think, well, not the conference schedule. Um, yeah. other, so than South Alabama. In, other than South Alabama, yeah. But <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, they, they want that one back. Um, and, uh, but it, I, I think right now it's more likely that the Big 12 cannibalizes itself and, and nobody makes the playoff. Because Texas is their only shot. And, I mean, yeah, they've looked sketchy over the last couple of weeks, and we don't know how long Quinn Ewers is out. Right. So I just I think right now they're more likely to fall during the end of the regular before the end of the regular season, or to Oklahoma State, because quite honestly, the way Oklahoma State's playing right now with Ollie Gordon, they're the best team in the Big Twelve right now. Like considering where Texas is with their you know quarterback situation right now, Oklahoma State's the best. Team. He is Barrett Salee, CBS Sports, CBS Sports HQ. Also catch him on Sirius XM College Radio. Follow him on Twitter at Barrett Salee. And also uh, join him with us every Monday during the college football season, getting you up to date on everything that's happening in the college football world. Barrett, have a great week. Thanks so much. Thanks, all you. Take care. That would be hilarious, by the way, if the Big 12 champion ended up being Oklahoma State with that loss to South Alabama. Like, that would be just unbelievable. I forgot about that until you just brought that up. I, I can't even fathom somebody other than Texas or Oklahoma winning that Big 12 championship this year, and Oklahoma State's put themselves in a position. But he's right. A little cannibalism going on that is uh, certainly, or not, not certainly, but it has a great chance that it will affect the Big 12 when it comes to the 14 playoff. And, of course, one of your picks is Texas, man, hanging on for their dear lives. And not only did they lose to South Alabama, they got blown out by South Alabama. And might, might end up Don't winning mess the, with the Jaguars, Might buddy. end up winning the Big 12 championship after getting beat 33-7 by South Alabama. Folks, lunch today, dinner today, or any time is a good time for the crazy coop and their delicious hot wings. If you're going out to Friday night high school football, you're doing a little tailgating for college football, whatever the case may be. Maybe it's a family reunion. Maybe it's a birthday party. Maybe it's an anniversary party. Hot wings are always delicious when they have the right flavoring, the right seasoning, and that's what they have at the crazy coop. 27 different flavors, in fact, to choose from. You can choose from the Buffalo Ranch, the perfect combination of the ranch with the uh, the ranch seasoning with a little kick to it, the mango habanero, the sweet taste of mango, followed by the heat or the sweet maple bourbon. The taste will remind you of chicken and waffles. You can go as hot as you want or as mild as you want as well. 27 chicken wing seasonings at the Crazy Coop. They're located at 7199 Highway 64 between Appling and Kirby Witten and the Crazy Coop Express at 1315 Ridgeway off Poplar. All you have to do is order online, pick up your order, or have DoorDash or any of the other services delivered to your home or office. They will cater your events, so just give them a call or stop by, get more information about that. Pick up some crazy packs while you're there. They're open 11 until 9 Monday through Sunday, so seven days a week, 11 a.m. to 9 p.m. For those delicious whole wings and party wings, even boneless wings and delicious chicken tenders. And at the Bartlett Restaurant, you can get the full menu, including catfish sandwiches. They're 
half-pound burgers, big, juicy burgers, and great sides like the fried okra, the green tomatoes, and the fried dill pickles. So whether it's just stopping by for lunch or dinner, of course, you can watch the games on their big screen TVs, or whether it's them uh, catering for you with a big event that you got coming up, whether it's sports or something else, it is the crazy coup. You've tried the rest, now try the best. 7199 Highway 64 between Appling and Kirby Witten and the Crazy Coop Express at 1315 Ridgeway off Poplar. You're tuned in to Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. You already know you can listen to Sports 56 anywhere with the Sports 56 app or at sports56whbq.com. But you can also watch us daily with live video of all of our shows on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Now back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by James Gaddis Jewelers. Diamonds are forever! Woo! Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Got a text here on the Sports 56 listener line, 901-360-8255. So, hey guys, I'm a true Ole Miss fan, but that hit the Alabama player did on the LSU guy. If it would have been turned around, LSU would have been kicked out of the game for targeting. I don't know what it is with these refs this year, but some of these calls are just ridiculous. They should take away offensive and defensive holding on the line. Everybody holds at every play. Only way there should be pass interference is if you tackle the guy. There should not be any pass interference. Let them fight for the ball. Just seems like refs make up the rules as the game goes along. I understand Barrett's point. I don't. Again, I don't think this hit was dirty by any means. Like the the contact, I do disagree. I think there was enough contact based on the way targeting is called around college football. I think there was enough contact to the head and neck area for that to be called targeting. By the way, they call it. Officials don't make up the rules as they go. The problem is the way they interpret the rules and dole out the punishment are, is different from game to game, from official to official. There's too much inconsistency. There's too much gray area. That's the problem. That's and the I, issue. To the, the, the first point, I, I, whether if it was switched around, I mean, there are a lot of people, um, I'm sure, that believe that Alabama gets the benefit of the doubt on calls. I'm sure there's people that believe that. And I I don't I don't think the official is out there going, nope, that's Alabama, therefore we're not going to call it. But I don't know. I, I know there's a lot of people that think Alabama gets a favorable whistle on most weeks. But um, again, and, 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 and as, as Barrett said, he was penalized on the play. So it wasn't like there was no penalty. There was a penalty for roughing the passer. It just wasn't an ejection with the targeting for Dallas Turner, which, again, if he had been ejected from the game, that's a big loss for the Alabama defense and would have also meant that he would sit out the mm-hmm. first week, first half this There's week. There's a lot of not, repercussions. Not that that, maybe, maybe that doesn't matter, but sure. it would have mattered more probably for the rest of that game than mm-hmm. it would for this week. But at least there was a penalty thrown for the roughing the passer. Uh, congratulations to the University of Memphis women's soccer team. They defeated SMU 2-1 to on Sunday to win the American Conference title, the tournament title for a third straight year. They now get ready for the NCAA tournament. I know Memphis has put in some bids to host the first couple of rounds. We'll see what happens as far as that's concerned. 
has to be an announcement coming up uh, very soon. Memphis is now 18-1 and on the year. They've won 15 straight games. They've become an absolute power in women's soccer. Meanwhile, the, the Memphis men got a win yesterday. It looked like they were going to lose the game and scored a couple late and ended up winning to advance in the American Conference Tournament into the semis. The unfortunate thing is they have to go to Dallas, I believe, to play SMU. SMU is one of the best teams in the country, so it still will be a tall task. But uh, you never know. Memphis has had a good year on the uh, on the pitch for the men, but the women have been absolutely dominating. So we'll see what happens in the NCAA tournament for Brooks Monaghan's team. Also, if I'm not mistaken, we'll talk to Jeff Crane tomorrow in our weekly visit with the University of Memphis Deputy AD. But the Leftwich Tennis Center is ready to open up, isn't it? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, sometime this week, if not today. So that's certainly good news. Also from the world of NASCAR, Ryan Blaney wins the Cup Points Championship. He finished second yesterday in Phoenix to Ross Chastain, but was able to edge out Kyle Larson, who finished just behind him. So all the racing all year long, starting with the Daytona 500, it comes down to a, a driver finishing second and a driver finishing third as to who would win the Points Championship. And Blaney was able to nose out Kyle Larson to win his first ever points championship. Mid-South Ag Equipment for all your equipment needs. That's all you need to know is Mid-South Ag Equipment. They got everything that you need, including the Case IH Farmall Series of tractors, Bushong equipment, and much, much more. From new equipment, pre-owned equipment, service on your equipment, they do it all for you at Mid-South Ag Equipment. Located just south of Kyerville on Goodman Road. It's very easy to get to. If you take I-269 to the Goodman Road exit, they are just a half mile west. In the Case IH Farmall Series, well, they are versatile performers, great value, perfect for whatever it is you need to get done and save you money as well. So for all your equipment needs, go see them at Mid-South Ag Equipment. You can also find them online. They're at midsouthag.com where you can find out inventory. You can check out special deals they've got going on. Get any information you need on all the equipment at Mid-South Ag Equipment. All right, when we come back, hour number three, we'll dive into the National Football League, but also we'll continue to take your calls and texts on the Grizzlies, on the University of Memphis men's basketball team that will open up tonight against Jackson State. Your expectations for the season. And obviously the college football weekend. A lot of action in the area, including the Tigers high-scoring 59-50 win. Ole Miss's win in another high-scoring game against Texas A&M. Arkansas and their win over Florida. Does that save Sam Pittman's job? Was Pittman in trouble in the first place? Maybe not with the money he's owed, but these are just some of the uh, topics that we've touched on before and will continue to touch on in our final hour. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM.